We are celebrating the platinum jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II, and she is known as the servant queen. And as we were praying earlier, because she serves our servant king. And just a show of hands, who was alive when Elizabeth came to the throne in 1952? Glad some of you were there to keep me company. Well done. Michael, I think you and I are the only ones old enough to remember it, though. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yes, although <clears throat> we lived in South Africa, it was part of the British Commonwealth. We didn't have TV. Um, there was the radio. I was in year two of school, and I had a doll that was dressed up in the coronation clothes. We had a competition at school, and my doll won the prize. My mother was a great seamstress, and it stayed in our china cabinet for years and years and years. <clears throat> I also have a coronation book that my grandma sent out from England, and unfortunately it's lost its cover after 70 years, but it's absolutely fascinating. The details, the information in here, the whole service, word for word, is laid out, so it's still a very precious possession of mine. And then we made a scrapbook. The newspapers were full of all the photographs, of the parades, of the coronation, of everything. And so I made a scrapbook that unfortunately when we moved to Malawi, it was just too much to bring. So I don't have it anymore, but I still have my book. So Winston Churchill was her prime minister at the time and a great man in himself. And he said in his coronation broadcast, we have a day in which the oldest is proud to have lived to see and the youngest will remember all their lives. The splendor of the 2nd of June glows in our minds. He called her gracious and noble and said, we know these words are true about the gleaming figure whom providence has brought to us in times when the present is hard and the future veiled. Seventy years later, we could say the same thing. The present is hard and the future veiled. But our queen is still a gleaming figure noble and gracious, with a strong faith in our Lord Jesus Christ that has carried her for 96 long years. In her coronation broadcast, she said, when I spoke to you six months ago last Christmas, I asked you to pray that God would give me wisdom and strength to carry out the promises I should be making God has always been the center of everything she says and does. She went on to say, the ceremonies you have seen today are ancient and some of their origins are veiled in the mists of the past. But their spirit and their meaning shine through the ages, never perhaps more brightly than now. 
I have in sincerity pledged myself to your service, as many of you pledged yourself to mine. Throughout all my life and with all my heart, I shall strive to be worthy of your trust. A promise she has made and kept for 70 years. I loved that she spoke of the history and the ancient origins of the coronation ceremony. The words, symbols, and rituals of the coronation service were devised in 973 AD and have been used ever since. 70 years ago, when she was crowned, and they will be used again when the next monarch succeeds her. But we as Christians have ceremonies with words, symbols, and rituals that are even older than that, over 2,000 years old, in fact. When our King of Kings and Lord of Lords came down from heaven to earth, his birth was celebrated by a host of angels singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those on whom his favor rests. Jesus instituted the celebration of Holy Communion, which we celebrate today in remembrance of him. The symbols of the bread and wine are as powerful and symbolic today as they were when Jesus introduced them at the last Passover supper. I'd like to invite Ray up to lead us in communion now. Before I start, can I just ask you a question? Was anyone invited to the concert in the park yesterday? No. Who watched it on television? Can I have some hands up high if you did? So most of you have, but not all perhaps. So if you are able to, we know that Paddington Bear had his own personal audience with Her Majesty the Queen. You'll see on YouTube afterwards if you haven't seen it already. We also know that Prime Ministers, and the Queen had, has had 14 so far, the leaders of Her Majesty's government have weekly audiences with the Queen. Remarkably, Karen and I were invited to a reception with the Queen, with Her Majesty, when we lived in Nepal, and she came out to visit us. Well, she didn't visit us, but she visited the country. But that's a story for another time. And I did shake the hand of the King of Nepal, the late King Virendra. Today, though, I'm here to announce a much greater honour, for we each have our own personal invitation to our own personal audience with, not the Queen, but the King of Kings, the King of Queens, and the Lord of Lords our God and Father. So now's the time when we can dial down with a bit, from a bit of experience, for a bit of excitement and stuff, 
and still ourselves and quietly marvel at the invitation that we have to have a holy time of communion with our God. Far greater than any communion with the Queen, any chat with her over tea with marmalade sandwiches. Jesus has invited us to come, each one of us. He has already paid the price for the ticket to be able to enter into God's presence. We didn't have to have a wristband to meet with God. We don't have an invitation except from Jesus. It's a verbal one. It's not a piece of paper that we have to wave and say, here it is, I can get in. Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And Psalm 16 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy as we commune with our Lord and our Saviour and with our Heavenly Father. We can have our own personal audience here this morning. <clears throat> on the night Jesus died, so on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The new covenant is the promise that God will be our majestic heavenly father. And we will be his beloved people, worshipping him with an instant access to his personal audience. So let's pray and say thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come into your presence and be in your presence and you've invited us here. And each of us, you've given us that golden ticket to be able to enter and know you and commune with you this morning, to have that chat with you at any time we want to, because you promised to always be with us. Please help us to remember in these emblems that you've done it for us, and the door is wide open. There aren't gates to the palace to get into the party, because you've opened the gates for us. Thank you, and help us to realise in truth the benefits of knowing you in our lives, in our hearts, in our church, in our family, in our country, and join with the Queen today in worshipping you. So as we take the elements on your table, you may take them, they're gluten-free if you're fussed about that, and if you're not a fan of gluten-free, I'm sorry, but that's how it is. Um, yeah, so take and enjoy. There may be spares on your table. You're welcome to take more. Because Jesus, and God the Father, he doesn't just give us little bits. He gives blessings and blessings and blessings. So feel free and make a party of it as we worship God in taking communion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you do give us good things 
all the time, not just now, but every day. We can rejoice as we eat and drink. We can do it in your name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Ray. I'd like to look at some of these traditions now that are used in the coronation service. They were designed to highlight the values that the monarchs should seek to uphold, the kind of person they should be, and the priorities of the heavenly king they would pledge themselves to serve. So there are a number of ceremonial swords reflecting the queen's role in administering justice. Kutana, also known as the sword of mercy, has the tip of its blade broken off. This is to remind monarchs that though they should exercise judgment, they should also practice mercy in line with the character of God. As the prophet Micah asked, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This is not only for kings and queens, but for each and every one of us who call ourselves a follower of Christ. The importance of mercy was reinforced during the ceremony as the queen held two scepters. In her right hand, she held the scepter with the cross, known as the sovereign scepter. The cross represents the temporal power of the queen and is associated with good governance. It holds the world's largest diamond, the Cullinan One, also known as the Star of Africa. It is from South Africa, from the Cullinan Mine near Johannesburg. And I've been down that mine, just saying. It was gifted to Edward VII in 1907. It was discovered in 1905, but it was given to Edward VII in 1907 to help mend the relations between Britain and South Africa after the Anglo-Boer War. It was cleaved in Amsterdam into nine parts and 97 smaller brilliant diamonds. The Queen was once known to remark, I wished I'd been there when they smashed it. The scepter has had to be reinforced as the weight of the 570 carat diamond valued at 40.9 million pounds is so heavy it weighs over a kilo or nearly three pounds. The second scepter is the sovereign scepter with dove. This was held in her left hand and represents the sovereign spiritual role with the dove representing the Holy Spirit. Traditionally, it has been known as the rod of equity and mercy. We see the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending on Jesus at his baptism. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Today, as we've heard, is Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples as they were gathered in the upper room, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then they went out into the streets where the people of Jerusalem thought they were drunk until Peter spoke to the crowd, and many repented and came to Christ that day, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us ever since. The sovereign's orb is a symbol of godly power, which she carries in her right hand. A cross above the globe represents Christ's dominion over the world, as the monarch is God's representative on earth. It is covered with more than 600 jewels and pearls. The symbol put into her hand indicates that she is the servant of a greater king. Christ. Jesus demonstrated servanthood to his disciples by washing their feet at the Last Supper. He taught them, saying, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The queen was presented with an object described in the service as the most valuable thing that this world affords. It was the Bible. For us as Christians, the Bible is the most valuable thing on earth because it is God's message to all mankind. It shows us what God is like. It reveals his love and commitment to us, what his son has done for us, how we can know and enjoy him, and how we can live and love in his ways. Do we value it and what it contains above all things? I wonder. There is a secret and very sacred ceremony in the coronation. It's considered so sacred that you can't see it. It, This was not shown on television when the coronation service was televised. The symbols of the queen's status are removed. The crimson robe, the diamond diadem, the coronation necklace, And there she is, in a simple white dress. She looks like a bride, but there is no husband. She's giving herself to her people. And it is is as this part of the ceremony that she is anointed with holy oil, poured onto her hands, chest and head, to show she is being set apart to serve and love her people in all her actions. With all her heart 
and with all her mind. In that commitment, she follows the example of Christ, the anointed one, set apart, not to be served, but to serve. And in his case, to sacrifice his life so we can have life that lasts forever. We, the church, are the bride of Christ, and we should live our lives in service to him, eagerly awaiting the day when the bridegroom returns to invite us to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. The angel said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. I hope you've enjoyed this little cameo of the symbols and traditions of the coronation ceremony. And I've loved the way they are so linked to and honor Christ, our merciful King. We started our story with the Queen six months before her coronation, asking the people of the UK and the Commonwealth to pray that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making, that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. And 70 years later, it is clear that God has answered all those prayers. We owe him and her enormous gratitude. I'm asking us now to stand and sing that God would continue to save our gracious and noble Queen. And be prepared, you are getting all the verses, not just one. So can we stand?